Mark 12, 38 to 44, is headed warning against the teachers of the law. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honour at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for, this, for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. The widow's offering. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor woman, poor widow, has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, let's pray. Loving Lord, as we come to open up your word and see what you have to say to us today, we declare that we are open and we are willing to hear your voice. Father, we say that we have ears to hear and we are ready to be challenged. We are ready to be encouraged. Father, break through the familiarity of this text for many of us. Smash through our, our arrogance, our complacency perhaps this morning. Touch us, Father, and be using this word to us this morning to be growing us in our walk with Jesus Christ, following him as our Lord and Saviour. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, this is the money talk, church. <laughs> uh, money can be a bit of a... a touchy subject in churches, can't it? Money can be a bit of a tricky issue. People tend to get offended uh, when churches talk too much about money. Well, I haven't even been with you for a year, and uh, we're very blessed as a church family here at church in the marketplace to be uh, financially secure because of the faithfulness of many people in this generation and those that have gone before us. So I thought I would take the opportunity, given that this text came up in the lectionary. It's a series of set readings that some ministers follow. Stops them from getting on their hobby horse each and every week. It's good discipline for ministers. And if you've been a regular here at Church in the Marketplace through lockdown, you will have known that we're working our way through Mark's Gospel. It is the year of Mark. And we've been following Jesus' journey uh, via through Mark's eyes. Mark probably writing down what Peter uh, recalls is what the, uh, what the scholars tell us. And so when this passage came up, some ministers are sort of think, well, I don't want to talk about the money stuff. But I thought, no, well, I'll get it out of the way and let you know right off the bat uh, what God's expectation are, is in terms of how we as followers of Jesus can and should be, be handling our money. So I'm going to speak to you from a position of strength. We're not coming to you begging and saying uh, times are tough, although obviously it has been a, a rough couple of years. But I thought I would just start off uh, right now, uh, when that came up in the lectionary, saying, look, here is the expectation for how we handle uh, the money that God entrusts to us for a period. Now, uh, it does remind me of a story when it comes to 
uh, Christians and churches and money because it can be a little bit of a dicey subject. A mother and a father, a little child, were heading home from church one Sunday morning and they were griping and bitching and moaning. The father said, oh, that sermon went way too long. I couldn't understand what he was saying. And the wife said, yeah, and those songs they picked, I couldn't sing any of them at all. Well, the little son piped up from the back of the car. He saw what they put in the offering and he said, oh, it wasn't that bad. Plus, anyway, what do you expect for only $5? Five bucks is about what this widow threw in the offering plate that day. The context is that Jesus and his disciples are in the temple grounds. So if you have a look at what's happening here in context, he's been there for a little while, he's entered the temple ground, and a few other things have, have gone on. So they're within, they're within sort of the temple precinct. And it was more than just a church. Like I, I told the kids, it was well, a center of community, for a center, the, the very epicenter of Jewish society. So people would have been coming and going all the time, busy people, people who love to be seen. And, and we read that some very um, wealthy people in their flowing robes who like to think they were pretty special all that and a packet of crisps, as, as the young kids say, they come in and, and they, they chuck in a whole heap of money into the offering boxes. Now, what you need to know about these offering boxes were they were large sort of metal boxes or timber boxes. They were quite large with like a, a big fan or a trumpet or sort of like a funnel on the top. So you would throw the coins in and they'd rattle down and make a bit of a racket. So you'd throw in your denarius and clangity, clang, 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 and in they'd go. And of course, the more you threw in, the more, the more noise it would make, wouldn't it? And of course, there were some people that quite liked that. There were some people who quite liked being known as people who put in lots of money into the treasury. We still have those people around today. They've even got a name for it. I remember from, uh, from I think, my sociology uh, unit in my undergraduate degree, they call this conspicuous consumption, the people who like to let everybody else know how much money they have, those people who like to show off their wealth in, in various ways. So this is what was happening. So these people were coming in and making a big show and dance of their, of their giving. Uh, but then a, a widow comes in, and we're told that she puts into the offering two very small copper coins. Now, maybe just a few pennies uh, is how they've traditionally been described, but the scholars tell us that it would have taken a hundred times what she gave that day to, even, to equal just even a, an average day's working wage. So an every man, average working man that went out and, and earned his earned his wages for the day, he would have earned a hundred times what this lady gave that day. So not a, a lot of money at all, but still probably more than five cents that we see lying around on the ground. Uh, given that the tradies or the average worker, what it, the average Australian wage is now well over 50 grand, I think it's up around about $70,000 a year, really I reckon... She's thrown in a, a couple of $5 notes, is what, roughly, I reckon, what she's given in modern Aussie parlance. I uh, splurged this week and shattered myself a large latte. <laughs> I know. It's been a good week, so, so forgive me. Normally, I just get the regular, and it's, what, $3.75? I ordered a large. It cost me 5 bucks. 5 bucks. So it's not a, a lot of, it's, it's just, it's a large cup of coffee is what this lady has given. But Jesus points to this lady and he calls his disciples and he says, this woman, this woman has given 
more than anybody else because they gave out of their wealth, but she has given out of her poverty. The others gave and still had lots left over. They might have they've given lots of money, but it didn't really hurt them. This woman, however, gave sacrificially. It hurt. Jesus says she gave all that she had to live on. Where the others gave in heaps of money, they still had plenty to sort of keep themselves safe. They kept plenty in reserve. So I think what Jesus is saying here is that it's not the monetary value that counts. Jesus is wanting to know that you're willing to really sacrifice for him. That's why when we take up the offering in in church, it's not simply a way in which we pay the bills. Now, of course, we don't take up the offering in the era of COVID. If you would like to give, you can give physically via some cash up the back with a box. But traditionally in a Christian service of worship, if you're following the traditional format, the offering would have followed the preaching of the word because you are encouraged by the word and you're then called to go out and to be changed as a result. So your giving is a reflection of your commitment. It's more than just keeping the lights on. It is a symbol of saying, here, Lord, I give you my very best. So yes, we do need to keep the lights on, but it's more a way of saying, here I am, Lord. This is how important you are to me. How much should a modern Aussie be giving? Well, I'm the last one to want to nominate a figure or to be legalistic about it. Jesus, of course, never was. He never really nominated a figure at all. But, of course, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, uh, tithing was a good rule of thumb. It's an old-fashioned word, tithing, that that means a a tenth. In in the Old Covenant days prior to the coming of Christ, they're expected to give the top 10%, the very best, the first fruits. God was the first bill that you paid, and he got 10% of all that you earned. Uh, In my household, I'm the one that pays the bills. Is there anyone else here that is responsible for paying the bills in your house? Uh, I know that in some households, uh, the wife pays the bills. In in my household, um, I pay all of of the bills. Um, Carly's not here this morning, and I know she's not watching, so just can just remain between us. She's, she, my young and beautiful wife is gifted in many areas uh, and, and finance is not one of them. So, so I pay the bills. And when we were first married, um, I used the envelope system. Um, you know, the envelopes, you would actually get some physical envelopes out and, and budget for the week. So we had food and we had rent at that stage we were paying and I got them working for the bank and I'd get out my pay and I'd put it all in, in envelopes and, and one of the envelopes we had was simply marked God. And so he... he we made sure that, that he was the first fruits. He was the first bill that we paid, so to speak. Can I encourage you to be doing the same with your family budget? Uh, ministers don't know how much everyone gives. It's one of the things that the Uniting Church does really, really well. I'm the last person to know who's giving what. Uh, the minister is the last person that should be handed the offering to count or to bank. Uh, it, it, it is a good thing that the minister doesn't know who gives what in a church. But I do know uh, that there are obviously some very faithful givers in, in this church who indeed give sacrificially in order to keep the doors open and in order to express their love for, 
for God. I can, every once in a while, share with you a story, and every once in a while a minister does get a bit of an insight into where a member of their congregation is at, because one time I can tell you my previous congregation, one of the, the newer guys in the church was just discovering faith. He was he discovering faith, and he and his wife and his family were sort of on the fringes of our church family, and, and we're getting involved, and, and we're enjoying some, some fellowship. But he confided in me one time that he got into trouble the Sunday just previous because the time came to collect the offering and he pulled out a $20 note and put it in the offering. And his wife was amazed. She was aghast, $20. $20? You're giving $20 to church. I just sort of gently and graciously explained to him that maybe for a working person, they were our age, they were both working people, that maybe in modern Australia, $20 perhaps isn't really particularly a sacrificial gift. I think many people sadly treat the church like they would a busker on the street. I'll, I'll give if I, have every, if I have paid all the other bills and I have something left over. And some people will even feel good about flicking the church a, a, a fiver, thinking, well, it's my money after all. If you think that money is a personal matter, Think again, because the New Testament talks quite a lot. Jesus, in particular, talks quite a lot about money. God cares very much about your finances. He wants to be Lord of every part of your life. Or think of it perhaps in the way that you clean out your wardrobe. I just this week cleaned out my, did my first sort of winter to summer changeover. I clearly bought too many clothes with me from Jeringong. I didn't get rid of enough, and I chucked out a whole bunch. And I think, again, some people have that attitude with the church. I'll give whatever is left over, whatever I don't really need, because I have a whole bunch of newer and better clothes in the cupboard, so I'll, I'll give the leftovers. But this little episode here is, is clear that Jesus is saying, no, that, that's, that's not the attitude to take. We shouldn't just be giving the leftovers or what we can afford. Jesus wants to be our top priority. He wants to be our number one in our lives. And our giving should indeed reflect that. So can I encourage you this week to be thinking, well, what does my giving say about me? The end result of that little story that the congregation member that shared with me that his wife was pretty put out that he put in a $20 note was that I, try, I was gently explaining to him that, hey, buddy, listen, you know, both you and, and your wife work, and even if you're only earning an average Australian income, you're earning more than $1,000 a week. And so if you get paid fortnightly and you do the sums in your head, brother, you might want to be adding a zero to that amount. Now, if that shocks you, it shouldn't. Because clearly people within this congregation give sacrificially in that way in order to express their love and their dedication to Christ. I don't know your situation, so I'll leave it up to you to make up your own mind. But you will need to sit down at some point and think, well, am I truly honouring God with what I'm giving? You will need to sit down and, and make a budget. Uh, when Carly got some work this year, uh, we needed to adjust our giving in the Chapman household. Uh, I receive a, a stipend. It's not an income. There's a bit of extracurricular work. You might want to go away and look up the difference between 
a stipend and a wage, but I nevertheless, we tithe my stipend and then uh, with Carly working as well, we needed, we'd worked out that we'd fallen behind in our, in our giving because I'd set a regular amount that comes out of the bank. It's the easiest way to do it. Speaking on behalf of our treasurer, where's David? Uh, he would very much appreciate it if you, if you gave regularly via direct debit. That way, even when you're not here at church, even when you're on a holiday, you still get to give. So can I encourage you to be doing uh, just that? Uh, if you want some help with that, please come and uh, see Lena, our lovely bookkeeper. She would love to help you out to do just that. So I'll leave you with that question and a, a quote and an example. What does your giving say about your commitment to God? Are you giving sacrificially? Are you giving the first fruits or are you giving the leftovers as a bit of an afterthought? A few weeks ago, I shared with you a wonderful quote of John Wesley dealing with money. He said, uh, we talked about how money is necessarily evil in and of itself. He said that we should um, make all the money that we can and save all we can in order to give all that we can. And, uh, and then after the service, uh, a member of the congregation, we were discussing that, and he said his favourite quote from John Wesley was this, was this uh, other very famous quote from John Wesley, the founder of, 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 uh, of, of Methodism. And, uh, and John Wesley was known for being someone who was uh, super generous and fully sold out for God. And he said, it's not a case of how much of my money should I give to God, but rather how much of God's money should I keep back for myself? Completely flips it around, doesn't it? If you're thinking about your money as yours and you're generous in giving God some, you might want to rethink that. Everything that you have ultimately comes from God. So how much of it are you willing to hold back of God's for yourself? And finally, I'll leave you with a story about a Kenyan migrant by the name of Lydia that I read about uh, this week. Uh, Lydia said when it came to giving, uh, one, of the, one of the things she found strange about these white Western churches was that there was no joy in the offering. This is back in the day prior to COVID when we would still take up the offering. And she said one of the big differences from the churches back home in Kenya was that when the offering came around, we'll be dancing down the aisles and giving. We love to give. She said, we didn't have much to give but what we did give, we gave with great joy. God loves a cheerful giver, says 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Can I encourage you to be a cheerful giver, to give sacrificially, and to do so knowing that you are giving back to God what is his after all, to give knowing that you are sowing into his kingdom, and to do so with great joy. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you might search us and that we might be willing to be searched and to be challenged in terms of how we are giving. Father, we pray that we challenge to know that it's not simply about money, Lord, that we can give of our time, we can give our expertise and our skills, our giftedness, Father. There are many ways in which we can give. So loving Lord, we pray that you'll search us again now and that you'll help us to, to be giving sacrificially, Father, to, 
to be giving so that it expresses that you are the first priority, the top priority in our lives. We pray that you will help us to be giving in a way that tells you, Father, that you're not simply an afterthought. Father, we give our entire church our resources, financial and otherwise for the and otherwise over into your care, Lord. As we approach in the coming week, Lord, a time when we will again be setting a, a church budget. We want to acknowledge, Lord, that here in the church in the marketplace, we are so richly blessed. We are indeed so, so well off compared to so many around the world. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. We acknowledge that everything that we have indeed ultimately comes from you. So as individuals and as a church family, help us to be joyful givers. In Jesus' name, amen.